What if we turn away from the abstract geopolitical or military analysis of this war and talk about the human side of it? What if we look at this war as primarily a story of human suffering and human courage? You are listening to the Explain Ukraine podcast. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I'm a Ukrainian philosopher and journalist, chief editor of ukraineworld.org. My guest today is Katalina Gomez, a Colombian journalist working in Ukraine for France 24. In this episode, we talk about empathy and compassion that goes beyond the oceans and distances. We also talk about Ukrainian writer Victoria Amelina, who was killed by the Russian missile in Kramatorsk in June this year. Katalina was with Victoria precisely at the moment of that horrible strike. Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the largest Ukrainian media NGOs. Before we start, let me remind you that you can support our work at patreon.com slash ukraineworld. We provide exclusive content for our patrons. You can also support our volunteer trips to the front lines at paypal, ukraine.resisting.gmail.com. You can find these links in the description of this episode. Catalina Gomez, welcome to this podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm so happy to talk to you. You're a Colombian journalist who works a lot in Ukraine, who who covers this Russian cruel war against Ukrainians. What can you tell to those people who don't know what is what this war is about? What what you see, what you feel when you are here? It's 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 um I see it from very a lot of dimensions from the historical, uh, political, and personal. But for me, the personal it's always the most important because it's an invasion. We have to start with it's uh, two countries and one country invite other country and destroy the village, kill their people, kidnap their people, kidnap the kids. And basically, they just want to take this country, destroying everything that they found uh, around. And I think this is the most important thing. And it is a basic human story to tell about this full-scale invasion. After that, we will go to many other dimensions that I've been trying to learn myself because the history of uh, Ukraine, the relation with Russia and with Moscow... I mean, for us, for Latin America, that we are a very young continent, if you put it like that, with a really short history, if you compare it with the history of Ukraine, cities like Lviv, where we are now, or cities like Kiev, I mean, nothing compared with our, our history. Then, of course, even if you read a lot since you are a kid, one thing is to read, one other, another thing is to leave it uh, uh, in, in, I mean, I would say to to be witness of this, to talk to the people and to understand, and and really for me has been uh, a sad way to learn and to discover the Ukrainian culture, the Ukrainian history, and the Ukrainian people, and to see how much they have 
suffer and how big price they have to pay for having this neighbor country like Russia. When you talk to people here, when you listen to these stories, what kind of stories maybe, you know, strike you the most? What, what, what stories are with you you take through, through the rest of your life? Listen, I, I will be honest. I've been covering Middle East for, for 15 years. And I, as I said before, when I came here, I feel very bad because uh, I, I feel that this was not my story. I didn't know much about Ukraine more than I, I read daily in the news. But I, I never been here because in 2014, I was covering Syria and spending most of my time in Syria and after in, in Iraq when... Um, ISIS came and took 30% of, of Iraq. Then I really, this story of what was happening here in Maidan and after Crimea and uh, uh, Donbass was behind in my coverage, but I was never really. Uh, then when I came here, I remember I arrived to this country the 8th of March last year for the first time. I feel like guilty what I'm doing here. I don't really understand, but I knew that was something I knew is there is a human dimension of this war. And human dimension is the same everywhere in the world. That's important. And for me, the important thing when I came for the first time was to tell the story of how Ukrainians were suffering. And I will never forget the first time uh, I went to Odessa, and from Odessa, I started going to Mykolaiv every day. Uh, and you know how the, was the situation at that moment of Mykolaiv was bombarded and attacked all the time. And to spend long time with people in the shelters, kids, women with cancer, without being able to leave the city because they didn't have the means or because they didn't want to do it, but especially at that moment also to, to see all these old ladies that they were living in, as Ukrainians know, in these such a difficult conditions without medicines, without food, without in this, in this cold. For me, I feel at that moment that I was really doing something for Ukraine, was giving this human dimension of this war to the people, and I think it was important. And we shouldn't forget, even today, to keep telling the story of Ukrainians, how they have been suffering because of this war. Because sometimes we go to the political dimension, help, military help, uh, Zelensky, Biden. No, no. Behind all this, there are people who are suffering. And I think as a journalist and myself, I tried not to, never to forget that. One of the most incredible things about this war is how many people volunteer to defend their countries without any military preparation and, and uh, without any experience of and without being a warrior in the in their in the spirit uh, very often pacifists left left wing people uh, IT experts uh, i don't know intellectuals or whatever do do you do you understand do you feel feel them why they are doing this because they are defending their territory and their people and their families and even if i i've learned that at the beginning even people 
who felt at that moment that they were very close to Russia because they were born in Russia and all their families were in Russia. I remember talking to so many people who were saying, why they want to destroy our lands and destroy us? That's that's not. And that's why people went to fight. And I have it really clear. They knew, and I understand it very quickly, is if you don't do it, you will be killed. But not just you, because, okay, if I die, but your son, your daughter, your mother, and everything will be lost. And also your land and your identity. And I really, I think this is really important about what Ukrainians are doing. But when you say when people went to fight, that for me was amazing how you find every kind of people, every kind of background, uh, fighting even though they didn't have the knowledge or they wouldn't done it in another circumstances. For me also, something has moved me a lot is people like you, that they really have dedicated their life to be volunteers, even if they are not fighting, how they are trying to help. When I am in the front line, I found people from all around Ukraine bringing food, medicines, equipment, drones. I mean, I, I, I remember once in, in Sibersk, when Sibersk was going, to, surrounded before uh, Bakhmut felt, uh, seeing people coming from Lutsk, they cross from the country just to give soldiers there in middle. See, it's like thousand kilometers. It's, right? it's 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 it's. I mean, how many hours driving? Eighteen, nineteen, and they go and come back, and they did that twice per month. And it's this is just an example of what I've seen in 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 the front lines and people helping others. And for me, this is sometimes what m- more move me is how people try to find a way to help each other and sometimes I really want to believe that this was not just something that moved people at the beginning of the war I I want to believe that this is going to continue if this war continues as we could see that probably will happen Do you see the role of the community because uh, one of the one of the lessons of this war for me is that we as individuals cannot survive. And and probably in the developed societies, this truth, this wisdom is forgotten. And here we see how you survive only thanks to all the other people that are around you. So we, we bring back this idea and this value of the community. Totally. And I think it's one of the most beautiful things because uh, I think if you Ukrainians not just as a whole country, but in little towns or, or people from one region supporting each other wouldn't be together, you wouldn't be telling this story and we wouldn't be here uh, at this moment. Probably, I don't know if in the we would be, but for sure we wouldn't be in cities like uh, Kramatorsk or Kharkiv or Dnipro, I don't know, probably they would have gone. Uh, Odessa, then I think that uh, I think you Ukrainians have to be very proud of what you have done. Not just defending the country, not just being very brave and doing 
very sophisticated military operations that an American commander will never approve because it was not all the standards. I mean, being a Colombian, I totally understand that we have to do things different because we don't have their means. With uh, As a journalist, for example, I don't work beside me with a security and a big team, a security as they work, because we don't have, uh, even if I work for France 24, we have a security guy in Paris, but we don't work with him all the time. Then it's the same. I mean, if uh, if you are Americans, and I have seen them operating in Iraq and in Syria and in Afghanistan, of course, they have all these security issues and so on. Our armies, the Colombian or the Ukrainians, they can't do that because we don't. We can't do. Then we need to do things in a different, in a different ways, and in this way that the Ukrainians have done, in a very amazing ways, because nobody will believe. But it's not just about military. It's about you all together, little by little, each one giving what they can give to the country uh, money uh, being um, giving food uh, going to the country being doctors cooking for soldiers whatever it is i think is the way that ukrainian uh, survive and i'm always will be blessed and thankful with life to be witness of what happened in this country because it was amazing and you also understand how the role of ordinary people it's, it's amazing, it's very big, because who are the ordinary people? Like all these babushkas, who are the, 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 the elder women who sometimes who cook for soldiers, who, who sometimes, you know, hide, hide soldiers or civilians or activists during the occupation, like in the times of Second World War, as if they're hiding, you know, Jews from the Nazis. And this also happened so much. Women during the war, this is uh, another story because lots of women are on the front line. Women also serve as, as paramedics, as soldiers. And then uh, the, the, the destiny of women who, whose husbands or brothers or fathers went to the front line. And so many women lost their beloved ones. And uh, I have several friends, friends like this, who, who need to continue their lives without their husbands because they're dead on the front line. What can you say about women? <laughs> a lot, because really, the other day I was going through my archive of, of films, you know, I was like, take one month off, then I had the time to go back to what I have done in these almost two years. And I found that I have a lot of testimonies of women, soldiers, doctors, widows, uh, wife of soldiers waiting for them to come and I first I believe that uh, the women of this country are extremely strong extremely powerful but they have been supporting this country on their shoulders I mean you guys men also have been doing but the, the women have been paying a huge prices because for example uh, being single mothers just growing up the kids because the parents are or not or, or they are abroad or because the parents are fighting in the in the front line without knowing what is going to happen to them but also for example um, uh, we always talk about the the women soldiers the the role that they pay uh, fighting side by side with men but also what we don't talk is about the moral support that they give to men because talking to some men in front line 
they always told me how they miss to have the warmth of a woman beside them. How after so many months being in the front line, just, yeah, they, they have a very good friendship with their colleagues, but it's not the same. How is the beautiful when they see a woman soldier that they admire for what she's doing, but also to have the opportunity to talk to her in a different way as we talk, or, or to feel the warmth of, of this woman, or, or the care, or just the uh, women doctors in the front line told me when they, they are bringing the soldiers, sometimes the soldiers say to the women, please hold my hand, because I want to feel the warmth of a woman in my hand. I know that you are with me, because I feel that I can survive if you give me your hand. I also remember once uh, a widow, her husband died uh, in the front line. Very beautiful woman joined me, the, and her husband was very young one. She was working in the front line, cooking. She was not a cooker at all. She had a normal life. But she was cooking for a group of paramedics in Kremina, front line that is one of the most difficult because these forests are hell. Cooking for them because she say. My husband died for this country. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to shoot, but at least I can be here and give support to other people who are uh, helping them. And like this, I have thousands of stories. And I, I think the women are playing a very beautiful and important role, not just defending, educating the kids, but also giving support, moral and trying to go ahead with this trauma, because they are also traumatized, but also they are support for these other trauma people, um, especially boys coming from frontline. Yes, I think this is uh, an incredible thing of connecting, you know, and, and, and as, as you describe as a warmth that, that soldiers uh, need sometimes. And, uh, you know, the war is, is about uh, tragedy and death, but it's also about love. It's so much about love, but uh, in a very different way because you, you, it's it's a very fragile love. It's a it's a love of uh, people who are losing their beloved ones, who who are far away, who who continue their conversation on a distance through messages, and sometimes your beloved one is just out of connection, right? Because he or she is on the front line. And you, for days and for weeks, do not understand what is going on. And uh, this is so many things that... that uh, it's so much pain. Uh, it's so much pain. Each one, for example, I really, really, really uh, think about this woman that every day they are waiting for the message to see if their husband are still alive. When they know that they are going to operation, everyone who knows that in this country when a group goes to operation, sometimes it's very difficult that all of them will come back alive because the circumstances of this war. Then could you imagine how much pain, how uh, how difficult it is to keep your life believing that your husband can live, can die every, every moment? But it's, it's not it's not just about that. It's, it's the pain of, of, of everything. Uh, I... People who who really lost their commanders, their friends in the front line, and they keep um, living with this uh, idea of 
what would have happened if we I been with him or not, or he I would be ahead and I, he would be behind. I think this country has a big challenge in the future is to make a conversation about how painful and how much they have suffered. And not believing that because I was in the front line, I suffered more than you, or I'm more traumatized than you, or, or because of this. I think everyone in this country will have to deal with trauma. Understanding that the trauma will be more or less the same. Of course, some people will have stronger and major, bigger problems, but you will need to do a conversation. And I really believe, and I was doing a reportage about mental health during last semester, and I really, I remember to write at the end of this reportage, I say, Ukrainians has demonstrated that together they can fight the enemy and hold and not let the country to be destroyed. But now they will have to fight together to demonstrate how they can go ahead with this trauma and with this sorrow and with these losses together because it's going to be a big challenge for you guys. But I'm sure that you will manage to, to do it. Yes, because uh, because sometimes you, because of this pain, sometimes you start blaming your neighbor. Sometimes you start, start blaming somebody or your friend or somebody who is here, who is reachable, right? And, and there are some cracks in the society okay. that, of course, are, are being produced. Children during the war, that's another topic. Of course, one thing is the most tragic things during all the wars, I think it's the killed children. So we have several hundreds of them, and uh, I'm, I'm sure you, you talk to parents of some of them, and we talk to parents of some of them. But there is another story is abduction of children, the separation of children with, with the families, and this is already a case in the International Criminal Court. But another thing is just very banal thing is education, because children in the frontline areas, they cannot really go to schools because the schools can be targeted by Russian missiles or artillery. How do you see how children experience this war? And um, maybe you have some intuition what these Ukrainian children will take with them from this war. <laughs> you know... Uh, I was, I'm sorry to, with the comparison, it's totally different, but I, I grew up in, in Colombia in the 90s. Uh, I mean, 80s, 90s was the most, part, one of the most part of difficult of, of the war. And um, of course, there was kidnaps, uh, there was attacks, uh, there was car bombs in the street. It's never compared of magnitude of, of Russia, but I remember, you always, as a kid, you were traumatized. Traumatized if your father will come back home, if your father go to do that, what is going to happen? Is he going to be kidnapped? Or if you go out, your mother will say, be careful, don't be long time in a place because, oh, don't go to this place because it's a big target, don't be... Then, and I've been thinking about how all of us, we grow up with this trauma. And... Kids are amazing. When when you are a kid and you live that, this trauma will be with you probably all your life in order that you will be afraid. Or There are always issues, image moments in your life that will bring you back to these moments of your child. And I guess that this will happen to many Ukrainians, kids, probably all of them, 
when they listen something because the alarms, when they listen an airplane because or explosion, these things. But the prob the problem is that the the good point is that you learn how to live with that in your life. If you do it, the conversation with yourself to understand why you have this fear. For example, for many years, I would never take a road by night because in Colombia was totally dangerous. Then if I, in a, in a war zone at night in a car, I'm shaking. I'm not shaking when they are bombarding, when they are attacking with planes. But if I am in a road at night, dark, I'm checking, and this is memory. So then, all of us that we have experienced this, I think is what will happen to to the, the, the Ukrainian kids. But I think they will also uh, learn a lesson. And I think I see this young generation here. It's like a, how important is to keep fighting and to honor the people who defended that uh, in that moment. That will be very important for them. And I'm going to tell you something that is going to be very important for, for, for Ukrainians is, is to listen to these kids, to, to, to listen in between them about what they live during the war. One in Toresque, I met a girl of 14 years old. Uh, she, she was with her mother in a, a small supermarket Torresk at that moment was very few people because Torres has moments that people come back, other people people left. And she was telling me that there were just five young people in the town and they couldn't meet each other because they were bombarding Torres all the time. And she was telling me that how frustrated she would feel not to be able to, to play, to see their friends, to talk to them, that she was feeling very, very, very lonely, that she didn't know what she was going to do the day she could stay with another kids. And I think this is what we, the, the, the Ukrainian kids are, especially in these very difficult areas, are experienced. Then I think we, we need to, to talk to the kids and, and, and all of us will, will need to, to, I mean, this trauma continue and people learn how to live with that. But you will have to understand that you have to go ahead and uh, to support these kids. Also. When you're coming back to your country or when you talk to people from Colombia or from other countries of uh, Latin America, and there is a huge distance between us, there is an ocean and thousands and thousands and thousands of kilometers, how do you find words and what are the right words to, uh, to, to make this connection? Because your voice is so empathetical, you, you, you give so much empathy. Uh, but of course I understand that this is a very difficult task for people who are far away to kind of have this empathy that you have. How do you find these words? I, I think it's the, the words, it's tells, uh, telling the story of People, I think for Colombians, if you tell the story of people suffering, they will understand because they also have suffered and they understand what is, is to live. Of course, they don't have a neighbor like Russia. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's different, but but they, they will understand. Then I really try to to talk about the human 
stories and how people are suffering and how these old women that live in in the, the in, in in these towns how these kids how these women have to be away from from their husband because you know of course in a more intellectual environment you will talk about the political and the geostrategical and the imperialism and the ambitions of Russia and Vladimir Putin but for many people these things are very far away and they are not really um, and you have to understand also that uh, in Latin America there is this uh, big presence of um, historical presence of United States and uh, many people don't trust them for many reasons then uh, of course ukraine is supported by by the west by americans and by europeans and that is fantastic and is the way it should be but for them they is very difficult for many of them to understand all the political geostrategical the world uh, complications and also very far away to understand the idea of dictatorship, lack of freedom of expression, lack of freedom of movement. For Latin Americans, they, with all our problems, this really looks far away, especially for this generation. Then, uh, going, coming back to my point, it, the only thing that I really found the connection sometimes is going to, to these really uh, human stories to understand what, what is going on. And um, I don't know if I managed to to be successful no but i try to do my best we have a common friend victoria melina who who was killed by a russian missile and uh, we first met with you in kramatorsk and it's this vika victoria who who actually presented me to you and uh, no victoria introduced you to <laughs> okay okay and uh, and you were at that horrible day at the tragic day uh, together with Sergio uh, and uh, actor uh, other Colombian uh, uh, politician and writer when Victoria was killed actually was so severely injured that that brought uh, to her death a few days uh, after for our listeners I would like to say that we have a podcast in memoriam of Victoria you can listen to it but can you tell 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 us who was Victoria for you? Can you describe her? How you have seen her? How you have felt her? It's uh, it's it's very difficult to start. I met her in Cartagena. Actually, it's, it's not even one year ago that I met uh, uh, Victoria. Um, I met her when she came to Cartagena as a part of this. Uh, Iranian writers and intellectuals like uh, Alexandra Matvichuk and Sofia and um, Andrei Kurkov, they came uh, to talk about Ukraine. And um, I have to say that from the group, the only person I didn't know more much was about Victoria. But we start talking about her job as a writer, but also as a crime. I mean, uh, the, uh, she was doing all this, uh, Document. helping documenting this crime against humanity and going to the front lines uh, and so on. And very quickly, we really make uh, our connections. And and I, I, she has something that it was amazing because she was very serious, but at the same time, she has this amazing sense of 
humor and ironic. And it was very easy to be very, to do click with her. And I think, I don't know, I really, immediately, I really feel very click with with Victoria. And one day during that, um, four days in Cartagena, and um, we were doing a, docu a little documentary for Fahai's festival about Ukraine. Why about the history of Ukraine? Uh, why has to Latin America has to support Ukraine and understanding what was happening here? Then I have a little interview with each of them, and I have this interview with Victoria. And finishing this interview, she told me that she really talk, we talk about New York. He, her literary festival, why Donbass was very important. Donbass, no, she will never call Donbass. Donetsk was really important uh, for her. And uh, she tells me, would you take me to Bakhmut? We are talking about January. I was coming already, I was coming from uh, Don, uh, Bakhmut, I mean, from, I was in, in Donetsk. I was, I went twice in Bakhmut in the really, I was already in a very difficult situation because they will never let me go. And I say, okay, we have this uh, permission because of that probably you will be able to be part of my team, but we, I'm not sure if we are even able to go back to to Bakhmut. But later on, she say, I want to go back to New York. Then I say, okay, New York probably is easier, easier to go. And that's why when uh, we plan everything for April, special day with Victoria, because she has a very tight schedule for everything, uh, that we were going to go to to Kramatorsk, and after two New York happened that she came with the pen group. But in all this time, we were exchanging messages. She was always asking about, how are you? How is the front line? What are you doing? And I was asking about her. She was talking. And suddenly... I don't know, Victoria really become uh, a very special um, person in, in, in my life. And that's why she was so close and good friend that I say, we are going to Donbass with Sergio and Hector. Why don't you join us? And uh, she basically she decided at the last minute to come like her. Like, like, like she, she was, was like, like, she, she, was like she did. And she called and said at eight o'clock at night, she said, I'm, I'm going. And it was beautiful. And I have to say that now, because we spent so many hours in the car, as you can imagine, going to, to Kramatorsk, that and she, we were beside one to our, uh, we, I, we talk about so many things about our life, but I can't forget, I can't remember many of them. Because after that, my, my mind, Totally. I hope one day I will remember. But to finish this, I have to say that I discovered even more Victoria when I started reading her articles, her poetry, and her books. Then I realized even more that I already knew how powerful, how important, how brilliant she was, and how sad is that Ukraine lost that voice and not only ukraine i would say the whole world because indeed uh, her prose and her poetry and and uh, and her humor and her work with <laughs> kids and uh, all this she she was able to talk about the evil but also about the good yeah, uh, it, let, and, uh, let me remember something because when you say with kids in that trip that she did with pen uh 
I remember this beautiful day in Slovyansk. Yes. Uh, she did this as, uh, 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 how do you call it? Um, masterclass? Maybe? Yeah, masterclass with kids. Uh, it was the first kid, the kids of Slovians went together to uh, this salon because, of course, we know that it's very dangerous for the kids to be together in a city like, like Slovyansk. They had like a group of 15 kids and she was amazing. This capacity, reading the book, uh, she brought uh, pencils, colors, she was making fun jokes with them and the kids suddenly, because our, we are talking about kids living in a very traumatized environment, of course it was a Slovyansk after almost one year of war, more than one year of war. She managed to earn these boys with her, playing with them, laughing, I discovered another phase of, of, of Victoria, that, and she was extremely happy that time, and it was very beautiful to see. I have all this image that is still in my archive, and one day I will make give it to all of you to, to remember Vika in that moment, because it was amazing. Yes, and uh, my connection to her was also related to this masterclass for kids because I remember we went to Kharkiv in uh, June 2022 and she organized this masterclass for Kharkiv. And in Kharkiv it was still very dangerous. Remember, it's a time when there was still no counteroffensive in the Kharkiv Oblast and Kharkiv was shelled regularly. So it, She has a very... She used to talk a lot about that trip to Kharkiv okay. and how important was Kharkiv for her. How important was for her to go to front line, to, to the cities and to the places where we really suffering straight from, from the war. For her was very important. Um, it's, it's very sad. We just came from to see her and it's beautiful how people left pens yeah. by her tomb. And I think she will be amazed to see because I mean it's, it's, she was amazing thank you Catalina thank you for all your work and for all your incredible empathy and compassion uh, with Ukraine Catalina Gomez thank you thank you this was a podcast explaining Ukraine by Ukraine World a website in English about Ukraine my name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I'm a Ukrainian philosopher and journalist, chief editor of UkraineWorld.org. Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the largest Ukrainian media NGOs. Let me remind you that you can support our work at patreon.com slash ukraineworld. We provide exclusive content for our patrons. You can also support our volunteer trips to the front lines at paypal, ukraine.resistinggmail.com. You can find these links in the description of this episode. Stay with us and stand with Ukraine.